You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 11 January, the SEC approves 11 Bitcoin ETFs. Some will start trading as soon as today. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, chatting with uh, Jimmy Moyoha Sassel. It was bouncing late last year, but it's given all of that back. Three-year lows, any value here. Uh, John Jack from Gillette Corporate Real Estate. Trends in the commercial property sector for 2024, including REITs spending big. And then uh, Fred Razak, he's uh, from CM Trading. Trading areas to avoid for newbies and pros alike. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Home business solar installs doubled to 5 gigawatts last year, and the Western Cape installed capacity has tripled. Business Day, Citadel backs cash and bonds in 2024. NSA investors can look at returns of around 9%, beating inflation, but should consider tax implications. Morning markets, uh, loads of green. In the U.S., all green. S&P up 0.6%, NASDAQ up 0.7%. Over in the east, green. Sydney, 0.4%. Tokyo up 1.9%, trading back at levels last seen in January 1990. Hong Kong up 1.4% and Tencent up 2.7%. Commodities mostly red. Gold, 2,034. Brent, 76.95. Platinum, 9.30. Palladium is your green, 1,015. Rand, 18. 65 Bitcoin 46,500 and top 40 opening call about 510 points to the green that is three quarters of a percent. Money web now on the money, also available on podcast. Trading now with uh, Jimmy Moyaha. Uh, Jimmy, appreciate the early morning over the holidays. Every time I had a look at the market or the Twitters or anything, it was all about Sasso having a, a, a fairly decent run higher. And then it got its legs whipped out from it yesterday. We saw Shell uh, reporting more losses in the chemical business. We had JP Morgan cut the target price from 248 to 184, stock of 7.2% yesterday. I know you as a brave man. Is Sassel a stock that you're looking at or are you staying well away at this point? Is there value there? Morning, Simon. I think there is value in Cecil. I think uh, Cecil remains one of the companies that uh, does present value. I think the bigger question is value at what price? Uh So you you alluded to a couple of things um, around where the share price is trading at the moment and factors that have driven the share price to this point. I mean, it's at, I think when I had a look at it last, it was uh, at about 168 rand a share. And you're looking at the last time we were at this point was January of 2021. You said three mm. years ago, and that's mm. uh, around that time. And uh, it really, I mean, if you look at a price chart of Sassol at the moment, the last time pre-2021 was the 2020 uh, oil dip that caused Cecil to go down to uh, as low as 20 rand in some cases, right? Yeah. So uh, it, it's, it's very difficult to pull out a, a bottom from 
where we are at the moment, considering that we could go down to 130 rand before we, we start to see a bounce. We could go down to 100 rand. We could bounce off 150. So I, at this point, I don't want to say that this is where uh, the share price is going to bounce from. It certainly isn't uh, a sell from my perspective. I think it's more of a, if you're looking to get into Sassol, you might find a unique opportunity to get into Sassol at a very attractive price coming up soon. Uh, the question is, again, when and what that price is. Uh, and the when is going to be based on or dependent on rather what happens in uh, the, the chemical space, what happens in the fuel space. So it's one thing for uh, crude oil prices to be uh, lower and to continue continuously be below that $80 uh, a barrel level that we've seen them trade at uh, of late. But it's a whole other thing when the demand side of the chemicals that are used to refine those fuels uh, is sluggish and that mm. sluggish demand is causing margins to be narrowed that's what uh, shell cited i mean shell said they're going to see a, uh, almost a 330 million dollar uh, loss on yeah. their books uh, for the from that perspective from the chemicals business alone so uh, a company like sasol uh, that's been able to diversify itself away from crude into chemicals as well is going to be experiencing um the downside on both sides and i think unless we see a significant uptick in demand and a sharp uptick in demand. And this is something that uh, JP Morgan noted uh, in that note that you mentioned that the dividend yield needs to be in the double digits for it to remain attractive to uh, investors at this stage, considering how much debt sits on Sassol's books. And that's where uh, the debt worries them. That's why they revised their price target down. They've said that with the debt levels, it's going to be very difficult for Sassol unless we see something happen on the demand side for Sassol to then pull back uh, those dividend yields or to give back that much dividend uh, to shareholders in the short to medium term. So at this stage, yes, there's always going to be value in a stock like Sassol, uh, just based on the fundamentals that mm. sit within Sassol. But there are obviously other concerns, macro concerns that have to be looked at. And unless we know or we have a clearer direction of what's happening there, it's very difficult to speculate what the bottom is going to be. Remember last year when everybody thought this was going to be the year Chinese demand re returns to the yeah. market? It didn't happen. <laughs> we and we saw the result of that. And that's the same thing we're seeing here. You can't want to assume that you know where the bottom is going to be. Um, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Sassol, and I'm definitely going to be looking to see uh, if the price starts to behave a bit differently and the market starts to behave a, a bit differently. Uh, it could move from uh, a very good price for a buy, and uh, it's a long-term hold. Yeah, I, I take your point. I'd forgotten, of course, last year was supposed to be the year of China. But I take your point. Let's keep an eye on Sassel because it'll, the price action will tell us. I mean, that price action tells us then the opportunity. In the meantime, we stay right where we are. We'll leave it there. Jimmy Maha, appreciate the early morning. And that's our question today. LinkedIn and Twitter. Value in Sassel. Jimmy makes a good point. Yes, there's value. Question, what price? Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn, Twitter. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money.
I'm chatting with John Jack, CEO of Galita Corporate Real Estate. John, appreciate the time today. You put out a note around some commercial property trends coming in in 2024, and I want to touch on some of them. The first is the Western Cape, where I suspect some of that demand is simply because of infrastructure and the like. But you also mentioned port access also being a big part of the equation these days. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we've seen what's happening at the Natal ports. Mm-hmm. You know, that said, while I was there in December, or now recently, even as much as January, they've really done a lot of work in terms of clearing that backlog up. But and and obviously, there's allocated infrastructure spend there. But we need to get through the red tape for that to actually happen. Whereas the Cape Town ports actually seem to be running relatively well. I say relatively mm-hmm. well. Um, most of these could be a lot better. But that that port access really drives a lot of obviously, as you can imagine, on the back end logistics. Um, the, the one thing, though, about Cape Town is that, of course, the link between Natal and Johannesburg is far shorter yeah. and more direct almost than the one between Cape Town and, and Gauteng, or, or certainly Natal for that matter. So, you know, Natal is the priority port, even Richards Bay for the, for the sort of um, dry bulk cargo but uh, you know, at the moment, Cape Town is is seeing a lot of a lot of traction, and and certainly that is driving that logistical demand on the back end. Yeah, I, I was also I was in KZN over Durban, and it was looking better. But I mean, I've been watching that port for decades, and there were certainly a lot more ships at sea than I'd seen before. Another one, of course, and this is perhaps the biggie, which is good old fashioned interest rates. I mean, expectations that the mm. increasing has paused, that the the decreases we can debate when, but certainly by mid year. And that's going to help landlords. I mean, that's just going to absolutely help them. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's very much a geared asset. So, that's, so that goes without saying. What's interesting and is usually a more telling um, factor uh, for, for these interest rates and what people think. Because interest rates have one thing, you know, obviously it affects your pocket and that's a direct, mm-hmm. that's a direct impact. The other thing is sentiment. So yeah. what happens when these interest rates are rising and rising? And it was probably one of the most aggressive um, increasing, you know, cycles that we've seen in, you know, a number of years, decades even. And and it was really aggressive and in a really short period of time. What that does is any of the buyers, or certainly in the commercial market, they start to price ahead of the curve. So what that means is that let's say the interest rates are 9% and then it goes 9.25, 9.5. What the investors do is they start saying, oh, it's going up quite quickly it might go to 10.5 or it might go to 12, it might go to 12, you know, and that's what they think. So what they start doing is they start pricing ahead of that interest rate hiking cycle. So as soon as you see a pause and then certainly a reduction, that then says, hang on, now these interest rates are now where they are going to be. So the, the pricing and the seller and buyer start to come far closer together. And so you see transactions starting to happen in the market again. What was happening, and it was certainly the trend over the last 18 months, is that the buyers were pricing so far ahead of the curve, thinking, you know, we could be in a situation where these interest rates could be at 18% mm-hmm. in no time, was a, was a popular um, comment last year, uh, is that the, the, the purchasers start pricing there, and the sellers are obviously just not there. They're not yeah. going to be selling their properties <laughs> at 18%. And so trade in the market doesn't happen. And when you see this hardening of interest rates and certainly reduction, then the trade starts to happen again. Now, a precursor to the commercial market is always the residential market. And I was chatting to some of the residential agents, uh, you know, just around Rosebank here. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that in the parks, which is, you know, quite a popular area and trades quite a lot in Johannesburg, 
they were, you know, mid last year sitting on 160 mandates in the in the park. Wow. That was what was going around. It now sits at about 105. So what you've okay. seen is a significant take up of the market. And obviously, as you know, as soon as supply leaves the market, what happens? Prices harden and start to travel up, given a, a, a static level of demand. Now, if demand increases because people think, well, the interest rates are where they're going to be, I must buy quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and they're seeing people moving back from Cape Town and also people, uh, you know, the foreigners starting to come in with easier, yeah. you know, passport control, that kind of thing. It's really good for the market. And that's always a precursor to the commercial market, which are typically bigger asset prices. Uh, well, very much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and so people need to think a little bit harder about what they're doing with their business and what they're going to buy and that kind of thing. So we might see, we might see a little, uh, little bit of positivity, certainly in the Joburg market. Yeah, and I hadn't thought around that, that perception around the rates. Of course, it's not just where it is now, it's where you think it's going to be. The other one is REITs, and you make the point, REITs are fighting back bold investment moves. I mean, Fortress, Attack, Growth Point, spending, and, and spending big. I mean, sure, they've got the balance sheets for it, but they're out there saying, hang on a sec, uh, we've got money, we're going we're gonna to deploy some of it. Well, this is it. I mean, they've, been, <laughs> they've just been packing away the cash for the last while, mm. and so they're very strong. You've seen... A lot of their sort of, um, you know, their, their debt ratios and that kind of thing coming down significantly. And, and so just like you say, they are now sitting on cash and they can go and deploy. The problem was is that, of course, last year they were pricing ahead of the curve. Everyone was. And on top of that, the REITs have another issue. Their issue is that if they are trading at, let's say, a forward yield in that fund of 10.5, 11, 12, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, Buying properties under that value is dilutive to their fund. So immediately, um, if they go and buy an asset, let's say it is an asset and, and it's worth 10%, yep. they buy that asset at 10%, but their fund trades at 12% for deal. So suddenly that asset is worth less. Yep. Why would they buy? Yep. And so that is the one little um, razor that is taken to the funds. And so the funds have been largely, I say not entirely, but largely out of the market for the last, geez, 24 months plus, 36 months. They've just been out of the market. They're not buying. And what we might see is those funds coming back into the market now, but certainly it's been the pension funds and the private asset managers that have been buying and and the privateers, just the private buyers who've been buying because they said, well, the funds aren't in the market and these brilliant opportunities are coming to market. We're going to take them. Yeah, and, that's what's and some in the case of Fortress, I mean, they were cleaning up portfolios. They were sellers rather than buyers, as you say, at least two, maybe even three years. We'll leave it there. John Jack, CEO of Galiti Corporate Real Estate. Appreciate the time. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. When you invest in Stanlib's global multi-strategy diversified growth fund, your money can withstand the unpredictable ups and downs caused by day-to-day market fluctuations. Because our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money. I'm chatting with Fred Rezak. He's Chief Strategist at CM Trading. Fred, appreciate the time today. A new year, a lot of folks are either going to be considering getting into trading or perhaps they've been doing it a couple of years or however long and they're looking to improve their trading, their profitability, their skill set. You sent out a, a note recently around some of the errors we can avoid. And the first one is really emphasizing strategy over emotion. 
getting rid of that emotion, which is easy for you and I to say, but hugely important. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are, you know, we're human beings. We're not yeah. computers. Um, but nevertheless, nevertheless, it doesn't mean completely suppressing, disassociating from emotion. It just means managing the emotions. There's a difference. And I feel that in trading, you can't completely alienate yourself from the emotions. There's mm. that sixth sense that a trader has when they're trading the financial markets. But those emotions actually work towards their favor. I'm talking about when you know those emotions, the anger, uh, the frustration, uh, the revenging. You know, you miss a trade, and then you you said or you called it, and then it didn't go. It went, and you could have made the money, and then you revenge trade. I'm talking about those type of scenarios where you have to keep it in check because you know it's one of those type of things that could self destruct. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I remember when I first started trading, and I was reading Mark Douglas trading in the zone. We're going back twenty plus years, and I always tried to get rid of all emotion. And to your point, you can't. We're human beings; it is there. But what? surprised me in the early days of trading was how it is such a psychological uh, endeavor. It's not just a chart and numbers. There is so much psychology, so much emotion involved in the process and managing that is, is huge. Absolutely. I mean, you quoted, you know, the psychological guru yeah. of trading. Mark Douglas was, uh, I, I, I remember, I've read his books over, I don't know, two or three or four times. Mm -hmm and taken some fanatic notes on it. Um, and he, he's true. He's completely 100% true. I mean, it's going into the psyche. It's understanding that this, and if you think about it, okay, if you really think about it, in any industry that you're in, it's more psychology than it is skill. Anything yeah. that it is. Think about it. I mean, the athletes talk about it. I remember back in the day when Tiger Woods was faced against some tremendous odds, um, was talking about his, you know, being in the zone and getting into mm -hmm. that headspace and, you know, being in that zone. And, and, you know, Michael Jordan as being the phenomenal athlete that he was. But any, any amazing athlete that you've, you know, you kind of interviewed, you know, and you see the, how much psychology and how much mental preparedness and mental strength allows the person to really prevail and galvanize despite the crises. And a lot of times people look at crises as, you know, let, let me avoid it. But these people actually relevate it because what ends up being is that they only become better because of it. Yeah, I, I, I like your point on that, absolutely. And, and the other one, it, it then, and it ties into that, and you talk around balance between ambition and contentment. And, and as much as this is, again, you know, don't be greedy, it, it again comes back to, to, to the psychology, to, to finding a place where you're comfortable and understanding that you know, a good profit's a good profit. Let's not get totally crazy and get overly greedy about this because it can turn in a dime. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, and my parents always told me, "Don't take more food than you can finish." <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, and you, and you, you, you build up this plate, and then you didn't finish it. And they give you the guilt conscious, right, that you didn't finish it, right? But it's the same idea because you know, if you're if you're aiming too high and you don't have the mechanism, um, the stamina, uh, in order to carry that load. I mean, it's like winning the lottery overnight. Could that person really sustain it? 
It depends, you know, like, you know, you have to be mentally ready for it. You have to really, it has to be a preparedness that you have to absorb it. And I think that that's more important than anything else. Yeah, and and we see, I think the number 75% of lotto winners don't have the money in, in, in five years, simply weren't ready. The last one you talk around is calculation errors. And, and this ha- this comes into you know, mishandling leverage, uh, taking on too much leverage potentially, but it boils down ultimately to, to money management and having really strong management, which is position size as well as stop-loss strategies. You know, trading the financial markets doesn't take a genius. It mm-hmm. just takes common sense. It, that's all it is. And, you know, you use the principles, you apply the principles. Not every day are you going to hit, you know, that big home run that you're looking for. But also, you've got to think defensive. And, you know, thinking defensive is just part of the game. It's part of the strategy. Um, and so, yes, money management, I would say it's money management, psychology, and those are the two most important elements of trading. You know, you could do technical analysis from today until doomsday, yeah. okay? But, you know, the markets will do what the markets will do. But if you have money management in place and you have your mental health in place when you're trading the financial markets, you're one up against the markets, Yeah, I I like that point. And it is. It's money management. It's psychology. Trade analysis is a point, but it's not the end of it. We'll leave it there. Uh, Fred Razak, Chief Strategist, CM Trading. Appreciate the time. That's it for today. I was chatting with uh, Keith McLaughlin yesterday. He's got that local small cap uh, AMC, UUSMC is the code. Uh, And we're talking about small cap valuations on the JSC. Is there a value trap? Is there some value here? Asked if you were invested. Two-thirds said, yep, there is value galore in our JSC small cap space. The rest said, nope, it is a value trap. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning. The MoneyWeb website in the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening. My guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, HCI and Impact Oil. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.